Lang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. All right. Can we give a lot of hand for that? Thank you so much, couples. For those of you watching, if you're interested to seeing the full video, that's only three minutes, but we, I think we have a three-hour extravaganza, right? No, it's a 30-minute thing. You can actually go ahead and look for it in uh, Facebook and YouTube. All right, so uh, hello, Victory Family. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone. All right, everybody say sarangye. Okay, I love you. Okay, uh, also, kong hei fa choy to all our Chinese um, uh, comrades or uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, for those of you who are enjoying your weekend at home with your loved ones, uh, please, uh, you know, just make sure that you show the love to them. Welcome to church. You are as much a part of what's happening here in our center. Uh, whether you're uh, watching from Facebook or YouTube, thank you so much for joining us online. And so for those of you who are here, can you just give uh, yourselves a hand? Uh, thank you for joining uh, our service here in Festival Mall. We are continuing in our series on Joyful, and we are studying uh, the book of Philippians. Now, how many of you feel so much joy in your heart this weekend? I know that whether you have someone that you're celebrating Valentine's with, how many of you know that God is your ultimate Valentine, okay? And so, um, you know, we're continuing with, uh, with Philippians. We're going through this for the next um, three more weeks. It's a four-week series. And it's, uh, it's, a, you know, it's a letter of Paul that talks about joy. In fact, there's about 16 references of joy, rejoice in this particular letter. Now, uh, and today we're going to be focusing on relationships. Uh, there's a, I, re- I remember a story of a mother making breakfast, pancake breakfast for his, her two boys. No? Uh, the, the name of the two boys are, were June and Bong. Okay? So, Pinoy na lang. Okay? Uh, and the boys started arguing. You know, June, wa, uh, June was actually five years old and Bong was three years old. And so they started arguing who will get the first pancake from the mom. And so the mom was cooking pancake. And so they were arguing, they're bickering. You know, I'm gonna, I'll be first. You'll be first. I'll be first. I'll be first. I'll be first. And so the mom looked at them and said, hold on, boys. Let me tell you. Because she realized that this is actually a teaching moment for them. And so what she said to the boys is, you know what? If Jesus was here today, he would actually offer the first pancake to his brother. And so June, the older one, thought for a while and said, Okay, Bong, you be Jesus. And so our topic for today is putting others first. Is it natural for us to put others first, to think about others better than ourselves? Can we actually find joy in serving or joy in humility? Now, how many of you find it easy to share the things that you have? Please raise your hand. Mikonte, di ba? But for the most part, you know, the human nature, really, it's, it's hard. You know, it's hard to be humble. How many of you find easy to be humble? If I, you know, it, it, you just have to get used to it, right? No, just kidding. Uh, I mean, we'll be disqualified if we even acknowledge that we are humble. In fact, one of the prophets in the Old Testament said that he is the humble guy. You know, Moses wrote about this. And even Jesus himself in, in Matthew said that, you know, I am gentle and humble in heart. And I think he has the authority to say that. Now, if I ask you a question, now how many of you here in all modesty, okay, would say, all modesty aside, okay, would say that you are humble? 
please raise your hand. Wala, di ba? No one will say, I'm proud to be humble. And I can make a definitive statement that says, it is quite difficult to be humble. And you see this in human relationships. You know, I, I think the, the point of humility is tested whenever you have someone with you or someone close to you. You know, it's, 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 it's uh, acid test really is when someone has wronged you and you, and you think you're right and you, ins- you, you assert your right to be right. You know, that's really a test of humility. And I think no one can really fully claim that he or she is humble. And, uh, you know, humility is not only difficult. For those of you who are watching from the home, you know, uh, it's difficult to obtain. It's almost impossible to achieve. You know, it's, it's just, uh, it's a daily thing. I thought that I was patient and uh, humble when I was single until I got married. And so for those of you who are single, enjoy it while it lasts. I will admit that pride and humility are always at war with each other in my life, both personally and even professionally. There's always a tendency for us to want to be better than others. There's always a tendency for us to compete. There's always a tendency for us to want to be honored, to wanting to receive accolade, to wanting to receive all the, you know, just the acknowledgement. That if you feel that you were not acknowledged in a certain task, you feel bad about it. You know, how many of you can relate with me? You don't have to raise your hand, just raise your eyebrow, okay? Uh, and, and I feel like, you know, this is really a, uh, a topic that is to be uh, discussed today. You know, I am a work in progress. I'm still going through this. God's deal, still dealing with my pride. But, you know, I'm not preaching from a standpoint that I've already achieved it. But yet, there's only one model that we will actually look at who is exemplary in this, and that's Jesus himself. You know, someone once said, I won a medal for being the most humble man. They took it away from me the moment I wore it the next day. And so it's really so difficult. And, you know, it's, it's so difficult. Jesus said that we have to be less to be greater. We have to be last to be first. And we have to die to ourselves so that we can live for Christ. You know, last week we talked about, you know, the ultimate purpose that we have is to live for Christ and to die is gain. Today, we're going to be talking about finding joy in humility. Can we really find joy in being humble and in serving one another? So if you're interested in our uh, preaching, go ahead and open your Bibles. If you have a Bible with you, just go ahead and go to the second chapter of Philippians. Last week, we talked about the first chapter, Philippians 1. Today, we're looking at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. So if you have your ESV version, whether digital form or paper form, go ahead and open it to Philippians chapter 2. I'd like to invite everybody here in the auditorium to please stand along with me uh, as we read God's Word and give reverence to the Word of God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, Complete my joy. Everybody say, complete my joy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Philippian church. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Everybody say, in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. 
Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for our time today. Even as we study your word, I thank you that you, Jesus, have been the ultimate model of humility. You came down from heaven, and Lord, just uh, let go of your glory there and became human like us. And I thank you, Lord God, today as we uh, talk about this, may you teach us how to live it out and walk it out, especially in the area of relationship. I thank you, God, that you will continue to encourage your people today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. Make sure that you are smiling because we are talking about joyful. Now, you talk, when you look at this uh, particular letter, you know, the letter of Paul to the Philippians or to the Filipinos, okay, uh, his agenda is really not to present the gospel in its rawest form like what he was doing in the book of Romans. In fact, in this particular book, in uh, this chapter, chapter 2, his encouragement to the church is to walk in unity. He was talking about, you know, words like same mind, one accord, one mind. You know, and a church that walks in unity. How many of you know it will ultimately bring joy to God? Can I hear an amen? And it will bring joy to the pastor. In this case, Paul. And that's why he said, complete my joy. In another translation, he said, Make my joy complete. You know, what he's saying is, I am already full of joy. I'm, I'm joyful in my chains. I'm here, you know, writing from, my, from the prison. But yet, I want you to add to my joy by walking in unity. I know how many of you would like to add to the joy of God by walking in, in unity. It is just so difficult to walk in unity. That's why this particular topic you know, the subtitle is Joy in Relationships because I believe that unity is the key to success in any organization, in any uh, family, in any community, in any nation. United we stand, divided we fall. And I believe that when you talk about relationships, one of the most difficult things to achieve really is that essence of unity because you think, you know, many people assert what they think is right. You know, every, everyone wants to lead and everybody wants to rule the world. Yeah. And, you know, I believe that if we are to advance the agenda of God and we are to consider other people better than ourselves, it is, it is hard. And he used the word like being same as I said earlier, same love, full accord, one mind. 
And you know, if you look at this 11 verse that we have read, this can actually be divided into two sections. First, first section, verses 1 to 4, talks about the principles of humility that you know, we need to do or uh, practice in order for us to achieve unity. And then verses 11 to, uh, 5 to 11 talks about the practical example or the picture of humility as exemplified no other than our Lord Jesus Christ Himself. So if you would notice, verses 6 to 11 is quite theological in its presentation. It talks about Him whom is in the nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. It talks about incarnation. It talks about, you know, God, you know, from God taking on the human form. And yes, it is. It has the elements of the gospel there. In fact, it talks about soteriology. It talks about salvation in, eth- in essence. Because Jesus really did that so that you and I can be saved and you and I can have eternal life and have a relationship with Him. But yet Paul's intent in this letter is not really to present the gospel in its rawest form or salvation as it is. His intent is to highlight Jesus as the ultimate example of humility. His real agenda is to showcase before the church and before us. You want unity. You want to have good relationships in your marriage, good relationships in your family, good relationships in your company, good relationships in your, you know, in your sphere of influence. Go walk in unity. And how do we walk in unity? Follow the example of Christ. In fact, he, he can't find any human example to highlight what real humility is all about because there's no human example that is sufficient to talk about the humility that Christ did by condescending Himself from being God to becoming human and even when going down to serving people even to the point of death, death on a cross, the lowest act, which is dying through crucifixion. Paul's exhortation to the church is to achieve unity. Everybody say unity. It's just so hard to achieve unity. You know, it's, how many of you know it's easy to destroy relationships? You don't even have to study how to destroy a relationship. We are natural at it. All you have to do is to be yourself. Right? Just be yourself. You want to destroy a relationship? Be yourself. Be your old selfish self. But Paul is saying, if you want to have unity, if you want to preserve, and if you want to build the family, the church, then do this thing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. He said that. Consider others better than yourself. How many of you think that there are other people that are better than us? Can you really say that, you know, yeah, love, you're, you're right. You're better than me. Can you, husband, say to your wife that she is better than you? Can you, wives, say to your husband that he is actually better than you? Even if he always makes a mistake? Look not only to your interest, but to the interest of others. You know, I believe that if you look at this set of verses, this is a breakdown of the second greatest commandment. 
that Jesus taught us. First commandment being love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Truly, we can see that according to the scripture, there is only one person who has embodied perfect and complete humility. Who is that person? Jesus himself. And you know, before we talk about Christ's humility, we need to talk about the greatest enemy of humility, which is pride. One of our early fathers, St. Augustine, said that pride is the love of one's own excellence. And you're basking in it. It's one thing to know that you're excellent. It's one thing to bask in it and love it and flaunt it. Pastor John Stott, British pastor, said this, Pride is more than the first of the seven deadly sins. It in itself is the essence of all sins. Pride. The root of sin, in fact, the center of sin is the letter I. Pride is the thing that converted an angel into a devil. We need to be careful there. And what is true humility that is Christ-like? Paul gives us a picture of Christ. And I'd like to talk about five words that describes the humility of Christ. Are you ready? First word is selflessness. Everybody say selflessness. And he says in, uh, in verse 5, uh, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You know, in your relationships, what he's saying is have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. And we need to apply this in all our relationships, whether it's with our spouse, with our children, in our workplace, with our co-workers, in our community. You know, wherever we are, we are to, ex- you know, to, uh, to follow and have the same mindset. How does Christ think when he thinks about relationships? Selfless. It is unnatural to think about others ahead of ourselves, right? In fact, self-preservation is a natural, normal human tendency. Let's use an example. For example, uh, if you are parking, and you're driving a car, you're in a parking lot, and you're waiting, you know, it's a parking lot is full. I was actually in uh, ATC the other day. And there's a, you know, and this is not my story. Okay? This is just a hypothetical story. What if you're waiting for the next car to back out, and then finally you found this car in front of you backing out, and you're ready. And then you saw your neighbor also waiting for a car, you know, for a parking slot. And this is your old neighbor, and you treat her like a grandma, and she's driving a car. What do you do? Do you give the parking slot to her? Or do you pretend that you did not see her? True humility is the willingness to give up my rights for others. How many of you feel that this is hard? It's hard. What does Paul mean by saying, consider others better than you? I'm not saying that if you're lining up for a buffet line, that you actually let everybody go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And you're lining up for lunch, and you're still there dinner time. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about use some practical application in a relationship, people you know, people you're close with, that you're considering them better than yourselves. 
And I know that many people react with this. You know, how about my rights? I have a basic right as a citizen of this nation. Verse 3 talks about do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Nothing wrong with ambition, right? There's a godly ambition to be a leader. But Paul was talking about selfish ambition. Full of self, focused on you. The spotlight is on you. There's conceit. There's arrogance. What we're saying is, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. First word is selflessness. Second word is sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. In verse 6, if I may read it, Who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. We all know this. Jesus is the second person in the Trinity. He is God, right? In fact, he was there at the beginning of time. He was there creating everything. Without him, nothing that was created can be created. He, he created something out of nothing. He was there. When the Father was creating, he was there with the Father. But he was willing to give that up or sacrifice everything that was valuable to him, the heavenly glory, the riches, the honor of being God and becoming human, just like us, with flesh and bones, able to experience pain and suffering. He had a perfect setup in heaven. You know, he was being worshipped by the angels. There's no problem there. But because of his love for humanity, he went down from heaven to earth and was willing to experience sorrow, pain, abandonment, humiliation, even death on a cross. He's all sufficient, but he emptied himself and voluntarily came down to earth, not in any human form like a king. He went down as a carpenter. He was born in a lowly manger. He didn't have, he didn't have any riches that we know of. He didn't have the comforts of life. In fact, what he said was, you know, even the birds would have nests. I don't even have a place to lay my head on at night. When he was doing his ministry, he would travel around and he would actually sleep from different houses. And I know that there are some preachers who would say that Jesus is rich because he has a treasurer named Judas. I mean, but how will Judas be tempted with 30 pieces of silver if they were rich? Think about that for a moment. He was a lowly carpenter. And he chose that occupation to walk in humility, to, be, to set an example before us. Now, let me clarify this. When it says he actually let go or emptied himself, Jesus did not lose his deity or divinity. He's still God when he was walking here on earth. In fact, that is the mystery that you and I will have a hard time grappling with. He's 100% God, 100% human. He's not 50-50. That forms 100%. He did not lose his divinity. Yes, his glory was veiled with humanity. Remember that time when he was with Peter, James, and John in the mountain of transfiguration? And then he decided to show a little bit of his glory. He just unveiled himself a little bit. I'll show, I'll show my, my glory to you a little bit. And then he covered himself again. 
That's the glory of God. But yet He chose to walk like us. My question for us today is, are we willing to be like Jesus and sacrifice the things that are valuable to us? Whether our resources, our time, our talent, maybe, in order to give to God or to, hold, to those who, whom we are in relationship with. Are we willing to sacrifice? How many of you have, you know, have tried sacrificing something to the one you love? You know, for example, you know, if, a, um, if an engaged fiancé, a, a bride-to-be, okay, looking forward to that beautiful day of wedding, and she will fast, so that she will make sure that she will fit her wedding gown. How many of you know that that is sacrifice? But yet that kind of sacrifice is almost like a sacrifice of joy. Because there's a looking forward to something that's beautiful and glorious and magnificent. Guess what? When we sacrifice today, I believe that that's the same feeling that we have. When we sacrifice something for God, it's not as if God's taking something away from us but we're really looking for something that is more glorious in the future. Amen. Third thing is servanthood. Everybody say servanthood. Then he said in verse 7b, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. You know, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. In fact, we know the story, the disciples were arguing who's the greatest and they were not willing to stoop down before one another. And in John chapter 13, when they were in the upper room, Jesus voluntarily washed the disciples' feet, which was a task or a job for a slave or a servant. But since they were meeting there secretly, there's no servant present during that time. And so what Jesus did was he took the form of a servant, not just in that particular example, but mainly also because he is setting an example for his disciples. You guys are trying to prove who's better. Some of you want to sit on my right and my left. Let me show you the greatest in the kingdom. He took a towel, took a basin of water, and started washing their feet. Have you ever washed the feet of one of your members in the small group? Or even maybe wash the feet of your wife or your, or your husband or maybe a, a, you know, a friend. Have you ever tried washing the feet of someone? It is not pleasant. You know, we were, uh, I remember back in the day, we were actually, our office was in Makati. And, uh, you know, we, we, I, I think I was in the ministry. And uh, Pastor Steve, with some of the pastors there, uh, said that we're going to have a foot washing ceremony today. Find a partner. So my partner was Bishop Curdy Kabiling. So you know how it is. You know, my first reaction was, I don't want to show my feet to this guy. That's one. And the second is, I don't want to see his feet also. More so, go near it. But it is the most, I don't know, humiliating thing. But yet, when I was starting to wash and we were washing each other's feet, of course, I used soap. I used joy. No, no. <laughs> I used a regular soap. And there's, somehow there's a bond that was forged between me and Bishop Purdy. I didn't realize that, but even after 
that event, we even became neighbors. And our daughters today are the best of friends. There's something that is formed when you start serving other people. You know, when Shirley and I would actually go into a restaurant, maybe for a lunch date or a dinner date, one of the things that we would actually look forward to is, not aside from the food, okay? We're excited for the food. We're excited for the ambiance. But really, the third thing that we're looking for is the wonderful service of the waiter. You know, last Monday, we were in Makati Med, and we had a quick checkup with our doctor. Don't worry, we're okay, okay? And uh, we just wanted to be responsible at our age. And so after the checkup, we went to one of our favorite restaurants in Makati named Wildflower, okay? I, you know. Shameless plug, okay? Uh, I know the owner, Anna, uh, from our church. And, you know, we entered the restaurant. There were not many people there. And so this lady server went to us and said, you know, I'd like to bring you to your table. So which table do you want? And so she gave us an option. And so we, we went for the corner table with, uh, you know, with a couch. And we were sitting there, you know, she gave us... You know, without even saying anything, there's already a menu and a water that's nice. It's cold. She gave us time to check the menu without bothering us. You know how it is. If you're a good waiter, you don't just, you know, smother the the customer. You give them time to think. And so when we were ready, we uh, set our order. And so while waiting for our orders, she came back with the bread. Wow, it was just snappy, okay? And our orders finally came, and every now and then she would just actually check on us if our water level in the glass is already low. She would be there without even us asking for a refill. How many of you know that is a good service? You know, and you're talking, and also you're talking. You're not even aware that she's refilling your glass already. And then you look at your glass, wow, it's full again. And then you're talking again, and then, you, you realize that you need something. And then, wow, there's, there's napkin and there's, wow. And then you're talking again to your spouse. And then, wow, you, you lost your cell phone. No, no, no just kidding, okay? Uh, but, you know, a waiter or a, a, a server is one who is so alert and so keen on giving the needs of others. And I believe that that is what Jesus did for us. My question for us today is, are we... Do we have that mindset or that attitude of being a servant? True humility means becoming less so that others can become more. You know, when you serve others, do you know that you're adding value to that person? But do you also know that it's adding value to you? Because after that, you know, I was just so grateful to that lady server. And we said, you know, this is one great lunch that we had. And we thanked her deeply. And of course, I gave her some nice tip. But there's always a reward. And that is the heart of what it means to follow Christ. It means that we lose our life to save it. It means that we are to empty ourselves in order to be filled again for Him and so that we can actually serve others. You know, when you talk about true humility, true humility means serving others even when it's inconvenient. Have you served others, especially those of you, maybe husbands? You know, I, I like the video of Pastor King and uh, SPB. It's, it's so raw. You know, Pastor King, by the way, belated happy birthday. You are a model 
husband. Jesus sacrificed himself for the sake of others. On the other hand, many people struggle to serve if it costs them something. If it's inconvenient, they don't want to serve anymore. But Jesus went to the point of submission and death. This brings me to my fourth point. Submission. In verse 8, it says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself. Here's here's the word again. Humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. And we see that Jesus was willing to be obedient to the point of death. Jesus took another step down towards humility by obeying the Father. You know, he didn't have to do this. In fact, there was no chance for him to submit to anyone. Why is that? Because he's God. Have you ever thought about that? But the only time that he decided to submit himself to the will of the Father is so that he can actually be a savior for humanity. Submitted himself to the will of God. Jesus is God, co-equal to God the Father, but he was willing to surrender and submit his will in exchange to the will of the Father. How many of you, it's hard to submit to someone's will? Have you ever found it easy to submit to someone? Submitting to authority is not natural to us. It's hard to submit to authority. How many of you would be honest with me that sometimes you're feeling some difficulty submitting to authority? Please raise your hand. Be honest now. God sees your heart. Ako lang ba? Ang hirap pala ito, no? How willing are we to submit to our relationship with our husbands? Now my question is, husbands, those of you who are watching, how willing are you to submit to your relationship to your wife? You know, sometimes you use that verse, wives, submit to your husband as a weapon to our wives. Submit. And if she doesn't want to submit, you actually put that Bible in front of her. Submit, submit. Ephesians 5. It's almost like a weapon. But did you know that the previous verse, Verse 21 talks about submit to one another as you submit to Christ. You know, when you talk about submission, submission is simply this. It's to put everything in order. That's what submission is all about. It's, it comes from the Greek word hupotasso. You know, that's why there's, if there's order, there's, it's, there's no chaos if there's order. If there's submission, there's order in a company, in, in church, especially in the army, when you align yourself to the authority, and you know, for me, the picture is like this. It's arranging the clothes in my closet. I put the shirts here in this stack. I put my polo shirt and hang it. I put my pants where it belongs. And I put the rest, like shorts and underwears, in a certain uh, spot. That is, for me, a simple picture of submission. That each one has a specific order. Don't ever think that if you are submitting to someone, you are lesser than that person. In fact, husband and wife, you are equal in the eyes of God. And the reason why there's chaos in society, in companies, churches, and even families is because there's no submission. Learn submission. And I believe that it will actually change things. Husband, 
love your, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wife, submit your husband. But you are to submit to one another because that is the context of our relationship with Christ. We're to submit to one another. Well, let's move on. You know, the last point I want to share, and I'm about to close. Ay, salamat. Suffering. Everybody say suffering. This is the best part, okay? I think the ultimate way for us to humble ourselves is the willingness to suffer for another person. This is difficult. In verse 8b, it says, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And Jesus was willing to experience sufferings and hardships in order for us to have eternal life. Now, how many of you are grateful for eternal life? How many of you are grateful that Jesus did that for us? If He didn't suffer, if He didn't give His life for us, we're all doomed to hell. And Jesus said this, No servant is greater than his master. If Jesus suffered, expect this. You and I will also suffer. It's part of life. And my exhortation for us today, and as I prepare to close, why don't you make your suffering more meaningful? You're going to suffer anyway. And I'm talking about not being blessed. Don't, don't get me wrong, okay? I believe that God wants His church and His people to be blessed. We are called children of Abraham. And God promised to Abraham, I will make you to be a blessing so that you can be a blessing to the nations. I believe in blessing. But in life, there are like in a rail track, there's blessings and there's testings. Every single day, blessings, testings, blessings, testings. You know, we see and we enjoy the blessings of God, but guess what? Since we're still here on earth, there's also a lot of testings. Part of testing is suffering. And sometimes we suffer because of our own sins or our own consequence of our actions or maybe the consequence of the actions of others. But there's also times that we suffer because we choose to suffer so that we can actually make other people better. To the point of sacrifice so that you can lift other people up. Christianity is not just about getting what you want and feeling blessed all the time and having no problems. We have a fair share of suffering as well. If Jesus suffered in this life, we too will suffer. That's why we need to be careful of the prosperity gospel. It goes around the churches that states that, you know, life is supposed to be easy. Life is supposed to have no problem. You know, always perfect health. Always you know, perfect wealth, everything would be okay, no problem with your marriage, no problem with your children. How many of you know that that is a, that is a life we're looking forward to when we get to heaven? Amen. But while we're here on earth, expect this. You and I will suffer. Make your suffering, meaning, suffering meaningful by giving it to the betterment of another person. Consider others better than yourself. In verse 4, it says, Let each of you look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. True humility is also dying to oneself. Last week, 
Shirley and I had a passionate discussion. It happens even in the pastor's home. And we don't use the word argument, even if I raise my voice, okay? But I'm trying to make a point to her. And I feel like she's not listening to me. And I wanted to assert my leadership. In my house. So I was passionate. And I slept without trying to resolve the issue. But we slept in the same bed. When I woke up, I went straight downstairs to get my cup of coffee. In fact, as I was fixing my cup of coffee, the Lord just reminded me something. Don't just get one cup. Get two cups. I said, wow. Not even thinking about Valentine's Day. Not even thinking about our upcoming anniversary. I'm thinking about just, okay, what's the right thing to do here? So I fixed two cups, went back to the room, and I saw her awake already. First thing I said to her is, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You know, and the thing about Shirley is, she immediately said, that's okay, I forgive you. I said, ah. Do you think that was easy? It's not easy. Because the man in me, the, the pride that I had, the ego that I have, would try to insist, I was right. Why will I, why will I say sorry? But if we are to practice unity in our relationship, whether in our family, our marriage, in our church, in our company, in our workplace, in our community, we are to consider others better than ourselves. The thing is, don't try to point out anymore who's right or who's wrong. It'll only end up wrong. It's about considering the other person better than yourself because you hurt her feelings. And I hurt her feelings big time. So love, I know you're watching right now. I love you. Happy Valentine's Day. See you later at home, okay? And I want to end with this. You know, there's a blessing in humility. And we're so familiar with this verse, the last part of this section. And I'd like to read it. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father God exalted Jesus above all there's no human application to what Jesus Christ did God becoming human going to the point of death even death on the cross and dying, and then He resurrected. And God elevated Him to the highest place of honor that everyone will acknowledge that He is King and He is Lord. Because God always gives grace to the humble. And yet He will oppose the proud. 
My question for us today is, are we willing to follow the example of Christ in being selfless, in being a servant, in being sacrificial, in being submissive to the will of the Father, ultimately suffering for the sake of others? Let's imitate Jesus in His example of humility because I believe that this is the one that brings the ultimate joy to our Heavenly Father. The main point as I close is joy is made complete when we follow the example of Christ in humility. My question for us today really is this. Can humility make you happy or joyful? You know, real humility is not just about making you happy. It's making other people happy. It's making God happy. It's bringing a smile in God's face. It's bringing joy in God's heart. Again, it's not just about our happiness. It's about others. And that is the example of Christ. Amen. Let's all stand up right now. I want to pray before we worship. Father, thank you so much. I thank you, Lord God, that you will work in our hearts today to follow the example of Christ in submission, being a servant, in humbling ourselves, in considering others better than ourselves, sacrificing even the point of suffering. Lord, give grace to every relationship that is here today. I thank you for your healing. I thank you, Lord God, for restoration of relationships. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for humility, God. Lord, even restore right now that some of you are watching. And I believe that some of you are watching there. Maybe you're even in your own home and you're not okay. You're not well. You're not good relationally. God wants to restore that marriage. And I believe that there is a miracle happening of restoration. But I also know that there is a part to play for all of us. And that is to walk in humility. That is a walk to be humble. But I thank you for your grace. That we will all follow the example of Christ. Minister to your people even today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victorialabang.church.